Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry. I'm your host. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you or anyone you love uh, is finding it hard to go on, needs someone to talk to, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Also, check out their website. They've got a lot of great resources up there uh, and chat lines. If you're in Canada, as I know many of my listeners are, uh, the wonderful thing about our country is that there's um, so many, so many services, uh, depending on what province you live in. So just a quick Google search will help you find any number of them. There are too many for me to list right now. Another thing before we get started uh, uh, on the actual episode, I I mentioned last week about uh, my sound editor, Jesse Morrison, who is available for your podcast as well, and I highly recommend him. Uh, but I mentioned that his um, his uh, uh, Twitter handle, where you should absolutely follow him and get in touch with him if you do need him for a podcast, uh, his Twitter handle is Borgdorg, B-O-R-G-D-O-R-G, Borgdorg. Uh, and, I, you know, <laughs> after the other, uh, you know, last week's episode went online, he told me that uh, as actually that he changed his Twitter handle to Borgdorg when he was in uh, the middle of a manic episode. So he thought that would be funny for me to tell you, just as a, a fun fact. Uh, Borgdorg. Uh, Jesse will be on the podcast, actually, uh, down the line. Um, he has a, 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 a very interesting and, and, and important story about bipolar disorder, which I, I want to share with you. We both think it's important and would be helpful. Uh, but that, that's down the line. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, today on the show, it's comedian Nick Flanagan. He's a comedian, and he's also a Canadian, Canadian comedian, comediadian. Uh, yeah, I know Nick from from a community out in Toronto where you know I started, and he came out here uh, uh, to LA a year ago, not even. Can't remember. I mean, he's been in and out of the city, but we we uh, had a great talk about you know mental health differences in Canada versus the U.S. And, you know, he was also uh, 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 in a lot of bands for a long time. So, you know, we got some really interesting talk, with you know, about music and mental health and specifically in the hardcore, you know, and punk scenes and uh, the idea of whether that's a good idea to use that as therapy and same with stand-up. So, you know, we covered a lot of topics. I mean, it's, 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 Last week, we didn't talk as much about mental health in the arts, you know, because we were dealing with, uh, you know, solving a different crisis. Uh, but this week, we're getting back to uh, the arts and the core of it all. I hope you enjoy the episode. I know I enjoyed doing it. And I, I want to just say, you know, because this is, you know, we've been doing this for several weeks now. I continue to be uh, humbled by the support from everyone who has listened and uh, responded to the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I, I do ask that you please, you know, share it, um, like it on iTunes, follow us on all the social media, which I'll tell you at the end. Uh, but please leave a, a rating and a review and comments. That really helps. And uh, let's see if we can start spreading it around more. All right, here we go. Nick Flanagan. <laughs> It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. Yeah, it's all in your head. 
Nick. Hi, Eli. Thank you for being here. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'm good. Think you're good? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. That's good. That's a start. I No, I don't know. I, I, I can't, you know, I feel I feel like here in Los Angeles, the, the big issue that you can get mad at yourself about is like not leaving the house on a day where you don't have to leave the house. Well, it's really easy not to leave the house. I agree with that in a general sense. Today, just, I mean, for sake of our listeners at home, yeah. today is like, a, uh, I'm not, I didn't check the weather, but I mm-hmm. think it's about a million degrees. Yeah, it's like 100,000 degrees. Celsius, Fahrenheit, you know, somewhere Both. It's a million thousand degrees Fahrenheit and Celsius. Yeah, that's the crossover point. That's the point it's where they're a million both. thousand. Yeah, no, but I know, I know what you mean. It's like leave, not leaving the house is like I, I got into a bad habit for a while mm-hmm. where I wasn't buying groceries because I was like, well, it, I went out to buy food. It's a waste of money, but at least it's an excuse to get out of my house. I think that that's a, a standard thing, and and what's wrong with that? You know, uh, just financial stuff. Yes, that's <laughs> true. It really puts it down. It really fucks finances. me over. But, but, yeah, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it, we do what we got to do. But yeah, the so I didn't leave the house, but I wasn't beating myself up about it because I actually, uh, it was there was central air, and there's a pool where I am living. Uh, I don't own the pool, but, but or the home. Have access to I have it. access to it. So I was mostly in the central air house, writing on a, a final draft program so, so you were doing work try well i was it's spec work but, but it's still it's i think when you're in this industry it counts as work i think so it's because you you're know. not getting paid for it doesn't mean it's not what you're doing yes well that's the thing that has confused a generation of parents yes exactly <laughs> like, what do you mean uh <laughs> you don't get paid for it that's the point um, how much do you get paid for those comedy shows you're doing oh nothing no, yeah exactly a drink. sometimes i get a drink yeah yeah Sometimes, and even then you have to go me dinner. Well, I get 40 bucks and they're like, mm, that's for how many hours? Yeah, exactly. 15 minutes. Ah, <laughs> yes. Well, the math actually does. That's work a, yeah. Us. I mean, it's just an un- unfortunate nature of uh, frequency. Max is being friendly now. Yeah. My, uh, my dog Max is, uh, is giving a uh, Nick a warm welcome now, but when he first showed up, he was being grumpy. This is actually a year to the day I adopted him. Congratulations, Max. Thank you. Well, yeah. Um, how are you today? I'm I'm all right. Thank, thank you for asking. You're the yeah. first person I think to reciprocate that. Really? Well, wow. I'm glad to be Bunch the of first. Self-centered. <laughs> uh, speaking of mental health, uh, I'm so. Uh, what do you have? What conditions? <laughs> I really want to be like. Oh, I've got nothing. I came here to lord that over you. I can't. I'm great, man. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. It. It's. It's. Uh. I think it's it, it's a, a strange thing with me where I just uh, took a long time before anybody uh, anything got sorted out. So it was like about twenty seven years of just being like, well, things are are tough. <laughs> yeah, right. And then there, I guess, I actually had to switch family doctors, and because my doctor, my family doctor at the time, was like, you couldn't be depressed. I see it in your eyes. Oh, that's and terrible. And you smile. There's that's no way. terrible. Yeah, and then... I mean, like, that, that's, that sounds like a nice person, but that's <laughs> that's not I, what you want out of a medical doctor. Yeah. So you, but you brought it up. You, you said uh, you think... You oh, th- no, yeah. It got to the point where I had to do something about it because I was just sick of it being that way, you know? Like, mm-hmm. just... But also, I was in bands and also doing comedy, and it just was like... 
Those are uh, two very separate things, but very uh, separate, similar in their similar. effect. On and for a lot, you know, for me, there was a lot of uh, encouragement in terms of like maybe like enough opportunity in terms of getting on shows or and doing, doing stuff. stuff. But it still wasn't like very profitable. And I would say bands even less so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my band was like a band that had some kind of success, but was in a niche. Were you more like hardcore? It was a hardcore band, yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those that don't know about hardcore music who who might be listening, it's it's punk's less profitable cousin. Is that a good way of putting it? I mean, I think think that the point that we were doing it was it is punk's less profitable profitable cousin because it's very niche and and i think that we were part of this sort of turnover point where like a certain amount of those bands were like no we're gonna tour and we're gonna make Make enough money to live and 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 make it work to some extent and and uh but you know the mentality was, was definitely what you're talking about uh i i think the hardcore scenes mentality was like you you don't have to make money touring you're not supposed to yeah you know you're doing this because you like it you're doing this this is it's actually a a type of music that isn't necessarily profit driven and that's part of why it has theoretically a purity or something it's because people are doing it you know for the love and that's I mean, a lot of, and that coincides very well with uh, Canada in general Uh, yeah (laughs) any attempt at artistic stuff unless you're like one of three people yeah you know but but i guess the reason i bring that up is you know that's i just recently went to my doctor and i was like man it's been really hard you know i've been really stressed out again lately and this, is, this is a new doctor since you've been this in is LA? the new doctor this is my doctor said the smiling uh, you're smiling so you can't be depressed so i went to an, a friend and said look this is like insane i really need to change family doctor so my friend found is this, me but a, this is out here in la or no, this was all in toronto. toronto a friend of mine found me uh, her mom suggested a family doctor who I switched to, who then got me like a psychiatrist. And then, so then I got on some antidepressants, but those were, didn't go that well, really, you know, it, mostly because there was a period of time where, because I was prescribed lorazepam mm-hmm. as well as like, uh, Zoloft. And lorazepam is, is like a, a Xanax. It's like a quick fix. Yeah. yeah. It's it, that was cause and Zoloft sleep. is pretty heavy. Yeah, and that was the first thing they did, and and you know the Zoloft was had some pluses. You know the way I viewed it was it was nice to not have to go down certain mental paths. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. what I had never had before. It was literally to me felt like it was blocking out even negative thoughts at all. Yeah, you I know? mean uh, that's the thing that, that I mean I, I've talked before on the show about how. Uh, you know, antidepressants work to close loops, generally speaking, in your brain, yeah. like thought loops mm-hmm. that just repeat and repeat. Yeah. But uh, Zoloft, I mean, I mean, the one big complaint I heard about Zoloft, and obviously it works for some people very well, um, is that some people find it rather muting. Like it yeah. can mute all negative thoughts when at a certain point you're like, well, I do need some negative thoughts. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, it affects different people differently. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you need negative thoughts is a very interesting one that I think comes out more from, like, you can have negative thoughts about not liking what something someone is doing or what something is doing, but 
and you're, you're judging your behavior, but if you're judging your behavior, but if, if it's an exaggerated judgment of your behavior, you know, the problem with negativity is there's often this exaggeration because of the fact that some things you're uncomfortable with it. You hate that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, it, I, you, you know what I that's mean? That's the thing is, and that's the, I feel like, and this is something I've, I've, I've clashed with a lot living in Los Angeles because there's a big thing, I mean, generationally right now, but also in LA, I think that's very prevalent of the idea of, I'm just trying not to be negative right now. I'm just sorry. Hold on, Max. Get Max. Get out of there. My dog is digging his face in Nick's Here. backpack. Maybe I'll zip up the ba- backpack just for. Nah, it, he'll I be mean, fine. He's right. Now there. that he's out, I've, I've got an eye on him. He's now. in love with everything I own. Yeah, you know, he he really turned around quick on that you. So fast. Anyway, but the point is, uh, the there's this whole thing with with um, positivity, and it's like this quest for positivity to avoid negativity. And when I say mm. you know you need negative thoughts, I mean like you're allowed negative thoughts. It's just a matter of whence, which are healthy and which are not like I'm broke. Oh God, that's a fine negative thought to have because that's fair. <laughs> but you know, the coffee guy didn't look me in the eye. So he probably hates me because I'm a failure. That's not okay. Right. And but that, what it's, about it's, this? What about this? <laughs> the coffee guy didn't look me in the eye. So I don't like that shit. Fuck that coffee guy. <laughs> you know, that's because that was really okay. The, the that, first I'll say though that that's years. a fine thought so long as it it doesn't last longer than literally a minute and a half. Oh no, I that's, mean, that's I, the I, threshold. I can go years. I have, yeah. I have year years memories. To, oh, there's stuff. a restaurant I don't go to down the street from me anymore because uh, one of the servers called me young man every time I went in. I was like, dude, you're no older than 30. I swear to God. So I get it. I like, you know, I'm, I'm with you. But um, just just to retreat uh, into this like long narrative, admittedly, mm-hmm. I, and no, let no, me please. know if you'd like to guide it or delve into the different. No, no, portions. no. Let's get into so it. So I got on this. I got initially it was Xanax and lorazepam and uh, psychiatry in Canada, in Toronto. You know, that was difficult enough. So just to get a psychiatrist, which is uh, the one that's covered by OHIP. The, which in, is Ontario's you know, health care. <laughs> How much translation stuff? Is well, actually, I, I do have yeah. questions a little yeah. later we'll get into yeah. about yeah. the Canadian mental health care system. Yeah, so I, I, but the, the point is this psychiatrist, because it was government funded, I could only see once a month. And he was like 80 years old. So although I enjoyed him... Um, <laughs> Just so just weird, very strange way, but I did truly enjoy. Well, well, I mean, it. he wore like a bow tie and was like oh, yeah, talking about CBC and stuff all the time. How 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 uh, uh, long were your sessions? They were an hour. They were the so standard. they were an hour. But it would be about once a month, and that to me felt like it was very. And because there's a distinct difference between psychiatrists and therapists, right? Which I got. I started doing more recently. Good. So psychiatrist. So, so he was there really to just to prescribe me this stuff. But once I had to go on tour with my band, and. I went to my pharmacist the day I had to leave to fill out the prescription. It's always when I do that shit. And it was like, I think I was doing it late. Like it was like three weeks after I'd been prescribed the thing. And because there was an narcotic lorazepam on the, um, uh, you know, the prescription prescription yeah. form, they did, wouldn't fill fill it out. They were like, we can't read your doctor's name. You know, this is old. He's an 80 year old guy. And I was like, do I look like, no, I know. This is someone I, who has a Zoloft prescription as well. Like it's like obviously it's this like really I, it's the same addict. thing out here because like I I, I have Adderall uh, Adderall I take. Yeah. Um, and yo, oh God, you can't that, getting that 
they look at you like you're a criminal. Well, yeah, I'm getting uh, that stuff but comes up with me too. That's what later. my psychiatrist said. You yeah. know, he was like, uh, "Yeah, wait till you start getting the the Adderall prescriptions yeah. filled. They're gonna look at you like you're a drug addict." It's, it's, it, yeah. I have the yeah. It's the generic mm. name on my bottle says amphetamine salts. It's yeah. like whoa. You know, salt but, you and know. people, sodium gets such a bad yeah, rap. Right. I was know, thinking lately. bath salts, but, you know. <laughs> it's even sodium itself. All right, so you're going on tour with your band. Yeah, I mean, the story, so I had to wean myself off of Zoloft, basically, on this tour with the band. Uh, so then and after touring for anyone that hasn't yeah. done it is the worst time to do that. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> the worst like, time to do most It was a long things. tour. It was like three weeks, and it was, uh, you know, and I was getting these sort of uh, shocks in my head and stuff. And then I went back to my psychiatrist, and I don't think I got on. I think I might have done Wellbutrin after that, but not nothing major. I really didn't do well, any well, more well, antidepressants. Well, a good one. Yeah, but I, I didn't really. It wasn't whatever it was. It wasn't for a long time, and I just was using psychiatry. Then I wound up quitting. the The band broke up, and I started working more, you know, professionally and writing and and some acting and and it, and. Um, was going pretty well, and after a while, I started feeling really overwhelmed. Um, when there was like a bunch of circumstances all at once, like I had to handle a few things, you know. Um, I had to like we had to go to Just for Laughs, which meant I was going to perform, and we were doing a pitching thing, and I had like two so had to pitch kids show scripts to turn in, and I was like, Jesus, this is a lot. I don't know what to do, and I wound up getting diagnosed with ADHD, oh, yeah. you know, at at about thirty three or something. So then I started taking Vivance, and mm. I didn't love Vivance. What's Vivance? Vivance is one. sort of, I think, a newer variation of Adderall and Dexedrine. Like and, Ritalin kind of stuff. And Ritalin. And uh, it's, I didn't really like it, but I took it for a long time, and I felt... What didn't you like about it? Uh, I f- well, you know, frankly, you're talking about smoking earlier. I felt like it was like those amphetamines are very... They make smoking a lot more um, mindlessly and habitually mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it's really satisfying to have that. And I think it's because maybe it's the focus. I mean, it, 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 like getting that ADHD di- diagnosis was really intense because they also were like, you also have some other learning disorder and you got to spend another $1,000, right. you know, to get that diagnosed. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know how much I'm supposed to. I don't know how much I can do here. So the ADHD, but I did take a cognitive behavioral therapy. Good, good, good. That's you know, great. Right after that. So I was, and I, I've, I've been interested in lots of, self-care stuff like all of the traditional boring stuff that people tell you to do like exercise being one you know and exercise is the most exercise and routine are really valuable exactly but anyone that ever suggests them to anybody with any problem always hears the same thing back which is just fuck you yeah like anyone i know that anyone that my therapist tells me every week like you got to start exercising and i was like yeah you got to start shutting the fuck up (laughs) right i mean i know i need to i really i pay for a gym membership i just (laughs) haven't been in forever i just it's you know it's problematic but why is it a racist gym is it's, it a problematic it's, gym? It's, 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 you know, there's some problems. <laughs> uh, no, it's just Plumbing. one of those things where, like, you know, um, exercise and routine, once you get into them, mm-hmm. you're in. But getting in is such a pain in the ass. But it's really helpful. Like, so doing this creative stuff, you know. There's it, no routine, really. But that's the thing that really is getting to me is, like, it's not even so much that more people in this industry would be prone to – 
depression or mental illness. I actually think that unless you have a very solid genetic makeup, you know, if you have any propensity towards it, the situation of, of this, which relates to instant gratification and black and white thinking and like all of these crazy things, you know, like you you might wind up, <laughs> you know, if you were going to be a, a school teacher, you might not have been, you know, you might not wind up. Yeah, circumstance like, definitely um, uh, can prompt. That was what my doctor told me the other day. I was like, I, I wasn't. I just said, you know, I'm I'm really more upset than usual. And she's like, well, I think if you had a steady job, like that's why, <laughs> or even a steady schedule, it's just like yeah. get up. Yeah, if you like, I'd make better for that. Aging helps yeah. that. I think, sure. You know. Like by by necessity, I yeah. Guess. You just can't live the the same way, and you sort of realize like I've realized, or my take on it is like six to eight hours is great, but it's better to get up. It's better to get six if that means you're getting up at like eight thirty or nine. Right. Uh, who am I kidding? I'm getting up at like ten thirty. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about sometimes. it. There's there's no judgment here. No. Just a bunch of unfortunate agreement. There's no judgment uh, here. Just when it's unleashed to the public, that's when. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all the comments. Ugh, weirdos. That'd be so funny. Like bullies listening bullies to these listening like, mental, to the health mental health podcasts. podcasts. Yo, dude, it's great. So, it's really helping me get in touch with my issues, <laughs> and also fuck these guys. Yeah. But but you know, I view it as a really. I've been through so much with all of this. My dad also passed away in uh, the end of October, uh-huh. and then also he was uh, ill for five years, you know, so that, that was, I think another, you know, it's extenuating circumstances, I think can very much contribute to, you know, um, like you can get a lot of perfect storms that can create. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's one of those things that crosses into that whole, you know, some things are normal because I, I say depression, anxiety, they're normal, emotional things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's normal to be sad. Sometimes it's normal to be anxious. It's just a matter of what. So, you know, obviously, you know, your father passing away is a very, it's, it would be abnormal if you did not respond to that with depression, you know, that, that's one of those things. It's just a matter of how it manifests and how it lasts. And, 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 and you find that with neurosis though, you know, or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, like the Jewish stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Are you Jewish? Yeah, my mom's side. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, because yeah. your last name Flanagan is Flanagan. Flanagan is not a Jewish but you, last you, name. But you, by all means, look and behave Jewish. Yeah, and so I think a Jewish-Irish combination, you know, is going to... And, you know, a Jewish-Catholic it's like, Well, you ever hear that? Uh, John Stewart, yeah. once one of the funniest things I ever heard, he had a, a guest on his show, and he said something like, uh, well, you know, I'm Jewish, and my wife is Catholic, so we're raising our kids to be sad. Yes, I, I feel like yeah. I've heard that. That's such a funny joke. I love that. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so, you know, uh, I, I think it's just that thing where, and death, I think it's always going to be like this for a lot of people. And, and, and I think that, you know, I, I think trying, I, I, I'm trying to parse, I've tried to parse the idea of like depression, mental illness, et cetera. And like the weight of the world that is on really most people's shoulders and, 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 I don't know where one ends and one begins with sure. me, you know, and I don't know where. But wh- you said you started. Anyone. You started seeing a therapist. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? Because and how often are you seeing them? Well, I was until I moved, and and uh, you know, at that time my health coverage with uh, through a you know one of these act the actuary union in, in Canada was, it was like the lowest kind. So 
Well, for anyone, by the way, who, who might be confused about, yeah. for American listeners who are confused about how the health system in Canada works, uh, it is universal health care. Um, <laughs> but it's but, like but there flawed. are, like, the thing is, there's, the mental health is the big thing that's not exactly covered in the proper way. Because yeah. you can go to the doctor, if you break your leg, you can go to the doctor, get a cast, get x rays. It's all covered. Mm-hmm. But if you have to go, but dental you- care is not covered, uh, certain types of vision care aren't covered. Uh, mental health is not entirely covered. Psychiatry is covered, which means but basically... But therapy is not, which is problematic in my mind because it's, it's psychiatry, much, yeah. I think, should be the second thing you do. Yeah. I think you start with a therapist and then go from there because Absolutely. not everyone needs medication. No. And medication by itself is rather ineffectual yeah. because it, all it does is really allow you to get to a place where you're healthy enough to be able to fix... Uh, the problems through therapy. Well, so I mean, that, that's be, a big issue. I'll be honest with you. You know, my ADHD uh, med- medication. I haven't been. I haven't been taking. I switched to Dexedrine, and I started taking it every. Few, I started taking Vyvanse every few days. You asked why I stopped doing it. it was because I felt like it really. On top of that smoking thing, it gave me agitation. You know, uh, the agitas. Well, I mean, it's like a. It, it's it's. I mean, you said it's like it's an amphetamine. It's. Uh, yeah. It's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. I couldn't drink coffee for a while because I was on yeah. uh, uh, Wellbutrin mm-hmm. and Adderall and Wellbutrin, which I'm still on. But mm-hmm. Wellbutrin is, is a stimulant antidepressant, which mm-hmm. is different than a lot of which are sedative antidepressants. Yeah. So it, it prompts that I, I couldn't drink coffee because it would give me panic attacks. Yeah. And now that I've added Lexapro to my cocktail, uh, I'm tired, so I can drink coffee. It's this weird balance. but it's so funny. It, it, yeah, yeah, it has that effect. It's going to agitate. So, you know... I, and I, but I wasn't trying to wean myself. I mean, I was. I to be honest, I was trying to wean myself off because I just started thinking, like, if this is an amphetamine, why am I taking this? I, I'm almost loath to say this because this is not what anyone should do. But if they're taking it, but if something isn't working, you should always explore that. And I did go to my doctor. Yeah, if something's not said, working, I recommend you talk yeah, to your doctor. Yeah, I talked to my doctor, and we wound up, you know, spacing it out. And I was taking it every few days, every d- other day. And then I wound up doing it every three days. And I, then I talked to a friend who recommended Dexedrine, which I switched to. And it was better. But it made me realize that, I don't know, it's, the, it's not that I can't focus necessarily. Or, or if you, once you have focus, you know, you might turn that focus to playing a video game for eight that, hours. I've said that you on might, the show you know, before. Yeah. That's the thing is that Adderall and those kinds of drugs are wonderful in the sense that they give you laser-sharp focus. But unfortunately, if you happen to, if it happens to kick in while you're on Facebook, you're going to Facebook the shit out of Facebook. And just by the way, the grieving process has really brought about, I'm like liking statuses more. Ever since my dad died, I'm going on YouTube. If there's a comment I think is sweet, I'm I'm thumbs up. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, this is the new me. I mean, that's a positive thing. That's, Uh, that's, you're spreading the love. It's, it's, you know, I'm not, and I'm thumbing down a couple of ones here and there. Sometimes you gotta thumb down a comment. If I think, sometimes you gotta let a fucker know. MRA, if I'm, if I read some, I'm gonna thumb a lot of that down. I've been deleting people that are like closet MRAs on my Facebook. Oh God, is it? Un- I unfollow, man. Unfollow is also. Oh, I d- I've been no, doing. I unfollow if it's somebody that I'm annoyed by, but is mm-hmm. not really doing anything wrong. I delete when it's like, no, but men have problems too, and they start yeah. getting really into. And I mean, like, yeah, men have prob. We all have problems, but yeah. that's not what we're talking about. Anyway, um, I, I want to. This it's interesting. We're we're doing almost like a reverse time thing because usually with people at around this mark, I come back to mental health. <laughs> but with you, I want to uh, 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 let's switch. I just want to talk. So, uh, music. You obviously 
talked about already. You did for a while. Yeah. Uh, and you also uh, are a stand-up yeah. comedian. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, you know, when did you start doing music? Are you still doing music? And then when did comedy come into play? Um, well, I started doing music when I was, I guess, like 13, you know, would be the first time I started doing band stuff ninth grade I I think we I had a band that was performed at the school band show and they actually closed the curtain on us oh really <laughs> yeah we covered this Toronto band called the leather uppers uh the end and so we were you all, hardcore from the get-go ah like garage sure. punk or something you know I and that was because that was um an achievable form of music. <laughs> yeah. For, for, so okay. So what 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 Which happens when I close the curtains in general? I don't know. It's like, you know, the this woman who probably wanted to be class school president was like running the thing, oh, and so she closed it. So it wasn't like one of those like the teachers being like, "You damn kids." No, it was actually it was just a someone kid. being an asshole. It was yeah, a, just okay. a kid being like, "You damn kids," you know, and. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know why that feels very Toronto to me. That's <laughs> I, just is. as we're both from Toronto, I, and this might not make sense to anybody else listening to this, but that just feels like a very Toronto thing. Like yeah. just other people your age in in your group being like, no. Yeah, people saw uh, the lives of others, and they were like, oh, I want it to be like this. Sure, yeah, Canada's want- <laughs> not very Toronto at least is not very expressive emotionally. I, I've often I think said Canada that, has a think, humongous issue yeah, with uh, I, I, it's from the British. mental health. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's it's not like the British's fault. But it's I mean, a it's, bastardized variation of the British. It's, yeah. like, it's like waiting for our mother who will never return. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. It's this thing of like, because, uh, you know, British culture is very closed off, a lot of people say, and, you know, there's a lot of difficulty talking and communicating. Um, I'm, I'm generalizing, but just from my experience. And the thing I find in Toronto and I don't want to say all of Canada, but specifically Toronto because it's made, mainly my experience, is that people don't talk to each other and people think you're crazy if you do talk to someone you don't know. And there's this weird, like... We've spoken more in America than in we did oh, in Toronto. Oh, yeah, of course. Sure. And, and and we have mutual friends and shit, but... Yeah, although, you know, it's hard in Toronto. That's, I feel like that thing where you're sort of in, like, slightly different scenes, it's like it's actually... That'll just happen anywhere where you like. Sure, but I, I think. But I, but what you're saying is, is right. My my big thing is uh, uh like I always use the example of um the bus. If you're waiting for the bus mm-hmm. in Toronto, you turn to the guy next to you and say, "What time's the bus coming?" He'll go twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and then he'll look stare dead ahead, and, and you can say something else to him like "Thank you" or "Yeah, I never know when it's coming," and he'll not respond. That's the end of the transaction. Yeah, over. In the States, wherever it is, you can be waiting for the bus and you go, hey, what time's the bus coming? They go, 1230. It's never fucking on time. I'll tell you one time I was waiting for this bus. What's your name? You know, like it's just this kind of different. Yeah. I I put it like this. I think Canadians are polite, but not nice. And we have the stereotype for being nice. Whereas Americans are nice, nice, but rude. Yeah. I mean, I think think that that's pretty much on point. You know, I, I definitely think that, you know, thank you in Canada kind of means it's short form for like, fuck you for making me have to say thank you, exactly. society. <laughs> you, and, know? But you know, this is a fun fact. We're getting a little off topic, but a fun fact is that uh, a court in Canada legally ruled that sorry is not an admission of guilt <laughs> because it's like, because so, you know, there, there's a, a, they were trying to make yeah. the case like he apologized, so he's guilty. And the argument that the defense had was, well, Canadians say sorry so much 
that it can't be an admission of guilt. And they held that up. That's in law in Canada now, which That's I think is amazing. That's good to know. I'll put that in my back pocket. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sorry. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, if you commit a crime in Canada, just make sure to apologize. I think, I think also there's something where, you know, Canadians, maybe we put so much into, there's some kind of, the idea that now that we've communicated, I am beholden to you. I guess I, I'll put it this way. This American on the bus, waiting for the bus with you, uh, would talk to you for a second, get your name. And then if you got hit by a bus, like he saw you get hit by a bus, he would give his report and probably go about his day. No, I disagree. He'd help you. He'd help you. Oh, well, I he'd mean, do he'd, his report. He'd help and then you. he'd go about he'd his day. He'd do the whole thing. But then yeah. he'd like go about his day and be like, that was really crazy. That was fucked up, yeah. I feel like if a, if a Canadian did really wind up start talking to you and then something horrible happened, they'd probably be sad about it for, for the, like rest the rest of their, of their lives. lives. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think that that's where I think the British crossover yeah. just is a disconnect. Although, no, actually, I think that's similar. Anyway, I'm curious though. So, I, this is how a very interesting in, topic. But, how do you think yeah. that impacts then the Canadian mental health system? Because I mean, it, the fact that psychiatry is covered seems like the bare minimum of like, well, if it's a medical problem, we'll treat it medically. But therapy is 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 so much more beneficial and so much more important. I There's, think too. Canada has a lot of really shameful. It's it's a very complicated nation in terms of. Uh, it seems like there's so much progress on some level and then some things that are just because it's a spread out country, you know, are way behind the times. And, and, uh, I think that, yeah, that mental health thing, because so there's so many rural environments and there's so many, you know, wasp, uh, to, to use a like stereotypical term, but it's like just sort of uncommunicative, there's alcoholism. And there's it's that stigma. It, it's very it, strong. If you're, if it, I think the walk it off concept in Canada is stronger even than out here. It's really strong there, and it's combined with tall poppy syndrome, which is like don't ask for more than not you know maybe not tall poppy, but like don't sort of ask for more than you need. You need, or then the person next to you. Yeah, has, I, it, you know? I mean, it's it's that's the thing is maybe you know, don't speak up. You yeah, know? that's the thing I find. The more I think about it, the more yeah, I talk to people, don't speak out. Is that you know? stigma is the same everywhere? It's just, you know, uh, it, it that's the problem. The old underlying problem is that people don't like talking about it. I guess it, why it changes from place to place. Yeah. But you talk about those rural environments. I mean, that's just one of those things where, you know, you're working on the farm. You're, you know doing whatever you got to do, where's there room in there for being open with your emotions if you haven't been taught that? Mm -hmm. And so people live their whole lives with these things, and it's, it's, it's just unspoken. And I think Canada is a good example of that happening a lot because, sure, we have Toronto mm -hmm. and Montreal and Vancouver, which are these cities. Yeah. But, you know, there's also most of the country left. And, and Not most of the people, but most of the country. Montreal and Toronto being examples of it, you know, especially Toronto, which I think has just such a rural... It's either rural people who came there or... Well, it's or, like New York or Canada. Or no one's from there. Yeah, immigrants yeah. who came there. But a lot of the immigrant stories are very interesting as well. Like, my background would be, you know, this Polish-Jewish side that left in the 1930s to flee, uh, obviously... Uh, Donald uh, Trump. Donald Trump or... Yeah. You know, maybe just sorry. Just no, the other guy, the other guy, yeah, bratwurst. Yeah. They were just yeah, they're trying of, to get rid of, of stop bratwurst. eating all that sausage. And and then the other side, which was this Ontarian sort of uh, people, uh, more rural people. You know, what generation Canadian? 
Um, I feel like third, maybe second. You uh-huh. know, like like uh, they came from England and, and Scotland, but via Ireland. You know, so it's so complicated. Pretty, yeah. I just mean these are people. Th- th- on the one hand, who would be so thankful to have escaped such a bad situation that an idea of suck it up would be, you know, inherent. Yeah. It's like, um, Oh my God, you know, what's going on? I don't know. I've just been having really a lot of trouble being motivated today. Oh yeah. I Mm -hmm. left a mass murderer. So get up out of, no. And I think that is that, I mean, that's a big thing in, in, um, Jewish culture as well, especially from people who fled the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. There is a very suck it up culture because, and, and I, I think it's the same with many immigrant families, many people fleeing spots. It's because it, it's like, you know, we got out of the bad. This is the good. So, yeah. and it, and that, that guilt kind of passes down and that sense of like, I don't know if it was the same for you, but for me, I mean, you said it took you 27 years before going, eh, maybe something's the thing well, here. Well, you know, my parents were both in the arts to some extent. You know, my Were they open about this kind of stuff, mental health? No, not really. I mean, just because... Um, well, my dad's side of the family, you know, is nine kids, and uh, there were all these different sort of levels of trauma and, and mental illness and all this stuff on that side of the family. That was a big family, you know. And then my mother's side was like their grandfather. My grandfather died when she, my mom was like 16. She was the youngest of it. They went through the 60s, you know. So in terms of their – and had this sort of – mind opening became you know a very different type of generation right and i think they both just made the call to like start families and work as civil servants essentially a teacher and a postal worker and kind of put their art as a hobby well in my mom's case as as a as a tool in her teaching you know because she taught art and that was what she was schooled in and, and your father as opposed to worker uh, putting a, unasked a, for and he was a, he was on. a poet yeah. <laughs> yeah he was a poet and he uh uh continued publishing you know uh but he was publishing more so in the 1970s and they raised families and i think so they made these sacrifices they made these calls and i don't know if the idea of like mental health or whatever you know came into their mind because you know a lot of these I- big ideas things like add things like I mean, not that it's what what I'm going through, but like autism, all that stuff. That's all so new, you know. And and then it's all these people. Uh, I, sometimes people have a hard time. Well, the way they were dealt with. I mean, like uh, autism and ADHD. I mean, are, are, were dealt with always in two different ways. Yeah. But like, yeah, autism, for example, was just like you know, put them in a place. Right. You know, they, put them in a they, put them in a home. Put them yeah. in a place to work. And then, you know, my, my aunt, uh, she didn't have autism, but she had. Um, uh, and this is such a a bad. Thing in current standards to talk about, but she was a healthy baby that did have a bad vaccine as, mm. as a baby because this was in the you know uh, late 40s and it did um, make her mentally challenged. Wow, that does not happen with that's not how autism happens <laughs> for the record, but that vaccine no longer happens regardless. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, she you know lived with my grandparents for a long time and then she lived in a, a, a home for. Uh, the rest of her life where yeah. she, you know, they would go and they would do the work programs and they would live off Medicaid. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, that was treated always one way. Um, it, even with it, within LA, just to go on a bit of a tangent, you'll, you see all around the States, but especially in LA, how, uh, there was a point where there were halfway houses and mental institutions. Yeah. And 
at a certain point they closed it. I want to say it was in the Reagan era. But that's I can't what remember. that's what they always say is Reagan shut down yeah. all the institutions. He closed Trust all me, the as mental- a punk musician, you, well, you get know taught all the stuff Reagan I did. I know you know all about him. But <laughs> that's the thing is that Reagan closed the mental institutions, and there were a lot of problems with the mental institutions. But they were supposed to put something else in their place, but instead they just started throwing them in jail. Right. So you notice that the homeless population, especially in L.A., yeah. is. Uh, extremely mentally ill yeah. because they don't have a place to go. It's either and prison good or looking. the streets. There are some really There's good some very looking handsome homeless people. Homeless people. Uh, in a, well, you know what they say, uh, you know, a, a, a homeless 10 in Toronto is a homeless six. <laughs> right. In LA. Los that's Angeles. true. So comedy, let's get back to comedy for a second. So sure. wh- when did oh, comedy yeah, I never start? finished that. Yeah. Um, uh, the bands were concurrent with it. And then when I was like 20 or 21, I probably started doing, uh, so this is like 2000 or something, 2001. Uh-huh. I went up with a musician and I just, uh, I went out with this, my, my, my friend who is a musician, Danko Jones, uh, to a comedy night and he taped my set and then I started doing stand up. So what, what prompted you to do that? Like, why'd you get into it? Um, well, I always liked comedy a lot, the, you know, a lot. And I always viewed the music I liked as being witty or comedic and, you know the feeling, the feeling that good art, uh, pop art, whatever you call it, like gave me was like very intoxicating, and I felt like I could do it. And I only sang in bands, you know, so uh, it was very so you performative. Were already a yeah, and I liked acting, and I liked all, uh, you know, writing. Did you do that a lot as a kid? Yeah, like, yeah. Were you all any that drama stuff. clubs or anything? Yeah, or? I got the drama award in high school one year. Very much against. That's my, just a noogie, right? That's just yeah. That's just they pants you in in front of in front of the the, the baseball team, <laughs> and then you have to. But then you have to do a scene. Yeah. You have to do like like a uh, Horatio. Oh, yeah. Horatio. Well, Yorick, I knew him, Horatio. I really got a kick out of drama class and whatever. So yeah, I did. I did. But I I did comedy and I immediately sort of felt like what I was doing was I was trying to do what I thought was interesting and I thought. I was from the music scene. So there was like this inherent interest from even music writers, you know, just because hey, that's the secret of alternative weeklies and the local coverage scene is it's like whatever's in front of their eyes is <laughs> getting yeah. covered, you know? So, uh, and did yeah. you, like in, in your comedy, I mean, early and, and, and later did, did, uh, I mean, I know you said you started when you were 20. Mm-hmm. 27 was around the time you were like, maybe I should get myself checked out. Yeah. Like, was there a pattern in your work and in the stuff you were talking about that was like, did you talk about your, your kind of state of mental health at all? No. Or, or I just manifested it within, within uh, well, the music was, my band Brutal Nights, all of the lyrics were always this like very relatable, like, I'm going to eat food and lie down <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really manifesting in the music sounds like and a I, good day I mean. yeah well that was the song i do nothing and yeah, living by enough. yourself was a, so a, like red flags lot, well i mean i or really truthfully it you're the interpretation of it when you're not medicated is that it's catharsis and it's therapeutic you yeah know? for sure and that and it, it is to an extent i, I no, think to an I, extent but you know I, I think that that's you know there's a lot more places to go the, you know, that's really like the first stage. I think, I think it's the reason why people love punk music and love things that are aggressive or negative is because it's just intoxicating. It's, it's familiar, you know, but 
at some point it's circular, you know, and it's a yeah. bit, you know, I think that it can go a bit deeper than that, you know, and, and, uh, the comedy was much more like my dick smells, you know, oh, right. like shock. So a different kind of red flag. Yeah. <laughs> different. It was really, it was more from the idea that it was, that I, I was like, well, obviously I'm a person who is progressive. Obviously I'm, this is, was my mind state. At, obviously at I have these beliefs. Nobody, everybody should presume this, even though they don't know me. And, um, so you'd be going and telling like off color that really works well when you're until you're, if you're doing with any level of interestingness, it, it's divisive, but that can, but by the time you're like an adult for real, it's yeah. less exciting and it's more gross. The grosser your speaking voice becomes. And my voice is basically the sound of a hundred year old man at this point, mm -hmm. you know, the less people want to hear you be like. I'll blow, you know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was just very inspired by like Sarah Silverman and Neil Hamburger and, and people like that, you know, and I loved comedy so much. I always did. Um, so 27 was also when I became a bit too old to be doing the gross stuff. And it was the negativity was still really there. So it was a very difficult shift, you know, and then. I feel like it didn't really start getting uh, really, really coming together until like three years ago, even, you know, so there was a long, I would go on tour, you know, I, I was working it and it was going okay. People knew me. I knew it, it just was, you know, a long time before I was like super happy with it again. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It was kind of a uh, starting over point, but yeah. starting over with a lot of experience. So it's like, it's not as hard to, you're not ju you're you're starting over on the material kind of aspect of dealing with those things and not just I'm I mean I'm so happy with how it is now just you know? yeah just not it, it, it's less so of having to work the gears of actual performance yeah. you know yeah. like that's what it is at first is it's working the gears of performance and writing and then at a certain point it's just yeah. you got performance like you know you got that you do it long enough yeah I have a I have a something you know and, and yeah. it's uh but I think with Stand up, it's it's really, it's it's uh, it is performance, but it's really clicking in. It's it's very to the moment, and clicking into the moment, and you know, being trying to be vulnerable, but also showing somehow that you know that other people are going through. I mean, it's it's complicated. It is. It's. I mean, like I'm. You know, I'm 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 barely involved in it. Like I stand up and I go through such a tumultuous thing because I either do it a lot for a while, and or I don't do it at all. Like, mm -hmm. and it's terrible. I know that that's not the way to do stand up. Well, and in L.A., it can be the way because even well, in L.A., I mean, it's you could be someone doing comedy for seven days a week and come here, and and if you don't have the right kind of momentum inside, you might not wind up doing comedy for like two months. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre world, but I mean, you know, mm. I, I but I, from my experience with it, because I've, I've dabbled in it over the years, mm. it is very much like, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the most concentrated form of like me that can exist in the yeah. sense that it's like, you're going up on that stage and people don't have to like you and like want to get a beer with you, but they need, you need them to like put trust in you for however many minutes you're up there. That like I you know like trust me I got this I got what I have it might not be this I think that, and it's yeah. it's kind of a bizarre thing and which is why I mean I you know stand ups I think a lot of stand ups have a lot of issues that because you know that manifests in that way I mean what do you think like do you think that a lot of stand ups have a lot of issues and, and why do you think that is like, I how mean does that I, I I think so I I I think that 
Americans are just, I, they seem very well equipped to deal with this. I feel, first of all, that in the creative world in America, to me, from what I can tell, people are mostly from comfortable circumstances. Circumstances. Mostly, I think is yeah. I I'm, I I don't mean to generalize, and thus the fact that they're mostly from comfortable circumstances means that they're actually probably pretty well-adjusted people. And, <laughs> and as someone from a comfortable circumstance, yeah. I, to say. I guess when I say com- well-adjusted, I do I do mean. Like, on paper, they have a lot of the tools handy right, to deal right, with. Right. So um, the neurosis becomes it, it just can be different things. I guess what I'm saying is like Canadians, those a lot of Canadian, especially stand-ups. I look at those guys and I'm just like, you were barely socialized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's because like, we talked about it. You know, Canadians are very closed off in a large way. And then to get up on stage in front of strangers and say things is like that's like fundamentally the opposite of what we were a, yeah. kind of raised but we're, to be. We're a hybridized nation, and who takes pride in the fact that we produce produced seven famous funny people, and you we know, got sleeper ops. They're like you know, they're, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. lots of sleeper ops. There are a lot of people you didn't know are Canadian. D- haven't come out as Canadian. Yeah, but but uh, no, I, I mean I, I I would say that it would just be within. I would say music, comedy, acting, it's all got a lot of people who have a lot of hangups, and a lot of it has to do with having so much free time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Scheduling, I mean, and, is, and, is and, the biggest and thing. And a lack of structure, you know? But I would definitely say that, for sure, stand-ups, um, there's so much control related to going on stage and, and doing that stuff that I think stand-ups are, have a lot more people who are leading, like, double and triple lives who are, like... I can handle this. I can handle this. I've got this under control. And it's How like, do you mean? What do you mean by double, triple lives? I just mean people who are like maybe going through a lot of mental pain and anguish right. and they think they've got it under control. They, so they, they are, think it's that catharsis like you were talking about earlier almost. But most of them are either over drinking or cheating on their partners or, you know, doing risky stuff like on the side to as a further means, you know? Right, right. Like to, to feel alive almost. You know, force or, or cover up those feelings to probably also replicate the feeling of godlike control of like being on stage. <laughs> yeah, being for on sure. Stage has. So that's, <laughs> on that note, I'm curious. So, how does performing stand up affect you? Like, how does it affect your mental health? It's good. I, I mean, I love it. Like, I just really love it. I love being able to express myself. You know, I think that in my twenties, I, I think that, I think that trying to perform it is what affects my mental health. Right. Trying to get on shows, trying to sell myself, trying the work to work around the trying to yeah. have have a plan on how I'm going to get on some comedy festival or whatever. That's what the managerial one. And, and then the rejection or or you know uh, of getting in is of not or not not getting in. That's where I feel my mental health is most affected. I think that with stand up, you know the beauty of it is that you know, the show is always like the most important thing, um, but also doesn't matter because there will be another. So it's this great kind of, for sure, you know, canceling thing. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting world. I think, like, in, in acting, I know that I've gotten used to rejection because that's like mainly what it is. You go yeah. out, you audition, you don't, like, I, I, at a certain point, I've been acting now for 
almost 14 years, mm-hmm. I got to a point where I just stopped expecting to get every part. <laughs> yeah. For like five or six years, I was like, I'm going to get it. And then I wouldn't get it. I'd go, ah, oh, I didn't get it. Yeah. You know, and I'd just be really bummed out. But after a certain point, I was like, you know, my parents, I'll talk to my parents on the phone. They go, how'd that audition go? I'd say, don't, don't ask. It was fine. Just don't bring it up except for immediately. Like, I just don't. Because yeah. you can't think about it. But in stand-up, it's almost different because it's not about getting used to rejection. Because once you're kind of clicking and once you're in the right spot, once you're on stage, rejection is like harsh and immediate and clear. But usually, ideally, you're getting kind of constant feedback. But that idea of applying to festivals, applying to shows, that's where that rejection, I imagine, can take a big toll. Oh, I mean, you know, and, and, and it, it takes a, a, a really big toll. And, and confidence, in some ways, in stand-up is more important than in acting, in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, no, it is, because you're selling yourself, not who you can be. But also, you know, it's, if you lose confidence, you might that might translate into you not writing, you know, it might, it might affect the future of your act. And I mean, it could make you work that much harder, but, but you know, and, and your confidence can be very shaken by, by just your expectations of, of what you think you should be doing. Right. 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 So there's a lot of that kind of management and, and, um, uh, of things that I, I think, uh, that's where it's a bit hard for me in stand up. I'm just saying that cause even today I had something where I was kind of like, you know, there's some show I want to do, and it's just like, I was like, I'm just trying to get on the show. I'm I'm fine. I'll, I'll be good at it. How can I? I know do I'll it? be good you know, on it. Yeah. yeah, I know it. Like, I I'm I'm less worried about the performative aspect, like you were. Well, saying. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because at the very least, I can probably make an audience understand that I too am a human. Yeah. And isn't that the goal? <laughs> uh, on that note, I, I, we got to start wrapping things up. Of course. Um, yeah. So I got what's a few, time? I got a few quick questions. Sure. You say, what's the time? Yeah. It's nine Oh one. What time's your show? It's at 10. Okay. He's got a show tonight. Yeah. If you're uh, listening to this well into the future, yeah. just know that on June 20th, Nick had a show at the El Cid. Yeah. The El, El Cid, Cid. He said the, the Cid. El Cid. The, oh the, God. The Cid. I don't know. I don't know Spanish. Uh, so a few quick things just to wrap it up. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever been given? <laughs> a few quick things. <laughs> uh, well, in stand up, I guess it would be, uh, that you have to, it's all about connecting with the crowd. That was and, probably and, the and best advice. How about the best in terms of dealing with mental health and, and depression and all that uh, stuff? Uh, it's all about connecting with the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I respect that. What's the worst advice you've ever received about, you know, mental health and stand up too? Actually, while we're on that subject, um, probably something just relating to, don't. You know what you're doing, is not that, you know what you're going through is not that. Important. Walk it off. Something that lessened it. I can't, but I can't think of, that many. You know, I think it would be, uh, people are very. I don't know how many people I've shared stuff about mental health with sure. because I think it's always, it's kind of the catch all thing of when people are really leery about the drugs. I think that that's, I know that I was saying how I'm kind of like all over them, but when people go, Oh, I don't know about this. ADHD yeah. Drugs, I don't know about this. It's like, well, what's, what's your suggestion? You know, that's, right. that's, I, it's I, funny. I, the more, the more I think about meds and, and sort of cut you off, but the, the more I think about meds and the more I think about, the way people responded. Cause at first I was the kind of person that was like, 
oh, you know, I don't want to be on meds. And I do think that meds are not for everybody, for what it's worth. But, you know, at first I was really skeptical about them being for me and blah, 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 blah. And the more I talk to people that are like, eh, no, meds, no, just like hard no without thinking, like that makes you crazy, the more they sound like, uh, yeah, but vaccines, I mean, there's no good research Absolutely. to prove that, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, it's like, no, it's a medical, there's medical stuff. And if a doctor thinks it's a good idea, there are some doctors that misprescribe, but Definitely. I understand that. Yeah. It, that, that. That blind leeriness, I think, is just a product of stigma and nothing else. Um, and some of the best mental health advice I got, I do want to go back to that. Without, sure. And th- that would be that somebody, uh, I was dating, got me on into a um, mental, uh, sorry, a mindfulness meditation. Medi- my therapist course. has been recommending that I. Take I really that. do recommend that, and a great way to start is with the book "Wherever You Go, There You Are" by John Kabat-Zinn, um, and maybe the mindful way through depression. And uh, you know, that's a guided meditation, great. and I, I've been doing meditation a lot, and that's that's. Well, there's this place uh, in Hollywood called uh-huh. the Den that offers meditation classes mindfulness classes that my therapist was recommending i mean i i would definitely recommend mindfulness meditation as a really great way to enter meditation especially for someone who steers away from spirituality Mm -hmm. um and prefer something that feels a bit more well that's the other thing is meditation sounds like it's spiritual but really it's just going in to your own spiritual <laughs> head, but I mean, you know, it's, but it, is that like, I know. mean, that sounds spiritual, but I feel like in a very, for those that are skeptical, yeah, uh, it, you know, it can almost be more of just like a, you're, it's just all you, you're not talking to it's, anybody. It's taking yourself. stock of your body. Mindfulness is great because right. it's really just, you know, you're just taking stock of every moment and kind of letting it go. It's, it's a really good way to start. Uh, few more questions. We already kind of covered this one a little bit. Do you think that mm-hmm. all people in the arts are a little bit crazy? Um, I know I've met enough people who, who aren't crazy. I've met a lot of like pretty straightforward seeming human beings. I mean, I think most humans are like, there's some craziness definitely, you know? So, so I wouldn't say all, you know, some real yeah, squares, real, real square, normal <laughs> folk with well-adjusted lives. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is that, um, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I think there are people that are normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a very unpopular p- opinion in the mental health community, or at least the people that I know who have mental health. It's like, no, everyone's crazy. There's no way people aren't like us. But after a while <laughs> I'm like, well, but, but yeah, no, I think that it's, we're just inherently more people that are attracted to this kind of work. And I think that people, if you're, if you're analyzing deeply stuff, um, even just people's behavior because you're emulating it, let's say, sure. you know, as an act or commenting on it, that's going to lead to probably circular thinking issues, and yeah. like some weird stuff. You know? uh, what advice do you have to other people who might be struggling with mental health and want to get into stand-up? Uh, <laughs> well, I, my advice is definitely like... Or let's... Those... You want to separate the two. Yeah, that's fine too. If you're struggling with mental health, I would say... If you're struggling with mental health, I would say uh, bring it up to somebody and it'll feel nice to do that probably and you'll be probably met with uh even if you're met with resistance at first try again with someone else yeah because always try again. you had very bad luck and there's more people who will be nice to you about it than there are people who will be dismissive and uh don't if you can avoid taking if if you can avoid total discouragement the first time you feel dismissed or unheard in that I think something that people do is they will take someone going, you know, say me being on Zoloft and then not getting the pills in time and having to get off it. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, you know what? I'm just going to forget Fuck it, about never this mind, for now. Never yeah. mind. It's like really try to forge ahead. It's very hard to do. And, and you know, try to spend Always time with people. Solution. Try to 
you know, really just try to be as, as within society as you can possibly stomach. You know, yeah. Even because, if you don't, I guess, have anybody specifically you want to go to, just go out get a coffee, just be around people. It helps. It, it helps, you know, and then if you want to get into stand up, uh, I would say, you know, some of that still applies. Honestly, yeah, don't all be discouraged. Those other things get coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want no. first thing you got to get a nice five together. Go get a coffee. Yeah, get a tight five bucks. Well, get a cappuccino. Get a tight five Starbucks. Yeah, and just uh, you know try to um, get over yourself pretty fast. Have no expectations of where it will go. I do it for the maybe do it. Try to raise the bar with it. That raise would be the bar? my own suggestion. Is just like oh, like raise your bar. Don't dumb yourself down. For the audience, and if you are dumb, make yourself smarter <laughs> for the audience. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and lastly, what do you think we can do to fix kind of the way that mental health is looked at and dealt with in this country and in Canada as well? Yeah, um, I think probably openness about it and trying to find enough other people who are open about it that, you know, the stigma of it um, is lessened and... I also think on the complete opposite side of that, I think that people should really investigate their own sort of proclamations of mental of bad mental health. And unless unless you have been diagnosed as such, don't sort of reduce what it is by saying because you're depressed this day or something, you know, like, yeah, well, I, I think I would encourage you if you feel yeah. that way, if you really feel that way so much so that you're talking about it, go mm -hmm. get help. And if you, if you feel pause there, then you really need to reassess. I, know, but I, I think you absolutely should get help if that's the case. I just, I feel like Facebook is so smothering in terms of the oh, amount yeah. of people. You I'm know, so depressed today. Yeah. And then it's like some people really are and some people really aren't. It's like, yeah. And that's why I think it, it really comes down to like if, if that's the way you are, you should definitely get checked out. Mm -hmm. And then you can join our fun club. It's a good club. Uh, Nick, thank yeah. you. How can people find you online on Twitter and the like? Oh, okay. I'm at the flans on Twitter. Would you like to spell that? T-H-E-F-L-A-N-S. Like. The flans, Se at flan. the flans, several flans. Yeah, and then uh, I'm also theflans.com, <laughs> theflans.com. Oh, my God, there you go. It's so I easy. have a website. There's a forum. I have a website, too. Do you have, have a forum? A... <laughs> I Do people use your forum? I purposely asked the person who built my website just to make a forum for no reason. Anybody so, use it? No, it's, uh, it hasn't been Not done. yet. But we can get that going. And uh, So go on uh, theflans.com, join I'm the also, forum. And I'm also, what am I, D-A-F-L-A-N, Zed at, at Dufflands at uh, uh, Snap that's Snapchat and uh, I have a lot of fun with Snapchat. So oh, I'm Snapchat's to... great. I'll add you. Oh, uh, please if I don't do. Already, I don't yeah, know I think already. we might have, but I don't know for sure. Probably. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you have it. That's Nick Flanagan. My thanks to him for being here with us. Uh, us, me. My thanks for him being here with me. Us? No, you're involved. You, you people count as us. We're a community. Damn it. Uh, okay. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you like it, please subscribe on iTunes, share it, tweet it, uh, leave us a review, a rating, whatever you can. It, it, it's all, all so appreciated. And uh, you know, you can follow us on Twitter. Us. I keep saying us. Now it's me. Now you're following me or it. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uh, In Your Head Pod. We're on Instagram for some reason. I still don't understand. Uh, and that's 
uh, it's all in your head podcast. <laughs> That's it. Uh, our email, if you want to email uh, uh, me about anything at all, uh, you know, you just need someone to talk to, just questions, concerns, whatever it is, I want to hear it. Uh, the email address is it's all in your head podcast at gmail.com. Uh, oh, fuck. Do we have any more social media? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Of course. You got to be on Facebook. You can find us. It's all in your head. We're on Facebook. Um, I'm Eli Henry. I'm at Eli Henry. Jesse Morrison, Borg Dorg, for all of your podcasting needs. Please get in touch with him. He is wonderful. All right. Well, I'll see you next week when our guest is Morgan Evans. He is uh, an incredibly talented writer, performer, a really good friend of mine. We get into a lot of really interesting stuff next week. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I really recommend next week. I recommend every episode, but I really like next week's and, and Morgan's a good friend of mine. So we'll see you then. Have a good one. It's all in your head.